Welcome back to the Gopher Report podcast on the Minnesota Rivals Network. Today is Sunday, November 8th, but if you're listening to this, it's probably Monday, November 9th. We got a great show for you today where I, Connor Stevens, joined by Sean Williams, publisher of the Gopher Report, and Alex Carlson, going to break down Minnesota's 41-14 win over Illinois, first win of the season. Mo Ibrahim had another huge game, over 200 yards and four touchdowns. Rashad Bateman had his first touchdown of the year to go with 150 yards, and the defense really stepped up. So we're going to be breaking down that and talking about the season going forward. And again, thank you for listening to the Gopher Report podcast. You can become a legend today, boys. Kelsher, aim, shoot, score! Short throw, little bubble, Chris Ottman, Bell, inside the 10, the 5, touchdown, Minnesota! Looks like Patino won't call the timeout. Special for Carr. Off the bounds, big time! That car will drive! When you watch go for football from this point forward, it will be different. We want this to become a national brand, a national movement, where people from all over the country want to come to the University of Minnesota because it's different. That's why he chose Minnesota. He wanted to play for his home state. He didn't want to go anywhere else. He wanted to come here. You know, I'm sure he's dreamed of that moment, walking off the court at the barn, chanting your name. Welcome back to the Gopherport Podcast on the Minnesota Rivals Network. Connor Stevens here with Sean Williams, publisher of the Gopherport, and Alex Carlson. Gophers are coming off their very first win of the season uh, over the Illinois Fighting Illini. Uh, there was a lot to take from this game. A lot uh, happened. Mo Ibrahim had a huge game offensively, running for over 200 yards and four touchdowns for the second straight week. Rashad Bateman hit over 150 yards. And uh, the Gopher defense stepped up, only allowing 14 points to Illinois after really being lifeless the first few games. Uh, So first off, Alex, give me your thoughts on uh, the defensive improvement you saw from Minnesota in this one. Yeah, it was it was exciting to see. Um, you know, I think coming in, we all had saw the first couple of games. You allow over you know six hundred fifty plus yards on average for the first couple of games. Uh, your expectations are a little bit lower, but I really you know I really liked what I saw from them. And, and granted, Illinois obviously struggles a little bit offensively so far this season, and they're on their you know third or fourth string quarterback. But I think the biggest thing that stood out to me was the defensive line. Um, we seemed much more stout in our gaps, much more physical up front. You saw the first couple of weeks, you saw these wide holes, um, especially against Maryland, a team likes to spread you out. You saw these these you know large gaps and large running holes that that uh, running backs seemed you know to hit all day. Um, I thought they did a much better job this game of being stout defensively and ensuring that those gaps you know were a lot smaller. And then uh, I thought Mariano Story Martin probably had his best game of the year. Um, you know, against the line as well. So it was really good to see, uh, really good to see a bounce back effort. And hopefully now this is something that now after a couple of games, maybe they start to find their identity and can, can you continue to improve. And, and this is more of a the trend going forward uh, rather than the first couple of games. Mm-hmm. Sean, what did you see from Minnesota, either offense or defensively that uh, stood out from you? And that was a little bit different from the first few weeks. Uh, Yeah, I think uh, just all just like, just staying on the offense. I mean, obviously we kind of we kind of figured out Minnesota would have a good offensive day, but it it kind of went the way we kind of predicted it in our uh, preview last week in terms of Minnesota kind of focusing on the uh, on the passing game first and kind of 
that kind of opened up the running game. I mean, I think on their first drive, they went, uh, I mean, they ended up punting, you know, uh, Morgan ended up pooch punting there on their first drive, but uh, I think five of their six plays on that first drive were passing plays. So uh, obviously kind of was uh, focusing on the pass, kind of getting things rolling in that regard. And then, you know, ultimately they kind of transitioned over to the running game and man, I mean, uh, Mo had some uh, some tremendously huge holes to run through, and uh, you know had another 200 yard game, uh, four touchdown performance. So I mean he had another big game, and, and it wasn't just him really. I mean you saw uh, Trey Potts get involved uh, before. Obviously he had three uh, three rushes, but he made the most of them, and you know uh, kind of had that uh, right foot injury that kind of took him out the rest of the game. But then you know you saw Cam Wiley get involved too. Uh, made some big contributions too. I think he had about 45 yards rushing as well. So kind of a nice, uh, you know, three-headed monster there. I don't, I'm not really sure what uh, the status is of Potts moving forward, but, uh, you know, the running game looked really nice. But they, you know, you mentioned Bateman having over 150 yards. He had 10 catches. I think that's a career high for him. Um, so, yeah, I mean, they, it kind of worked out the way we thought it would. And, uh, you know, offense keeps rolling. Uh, the defense, I think, was probably – the story of the game, just in terms of playing, you know, their best effort uh, against Illinois. I mean, they, you know, Illinois, obviously they're playing with their four string, you know, quarterback. So, you know, they didn't have much of a passing attack. Uh, they didn't give up a lot of big plays. I mean, the Mike Epstein 63 yard run uh, was one, uh, the Josh Imoter Bebe 52 yard catch. I mean, those are two big plays they gave up. Uh, but other than that, I mean, it was a pretty, pretty nice effort defensively and, and, uh, you know, one an offensive effort we kind of expect from Minnesota uh, going forward. And uh, if you guys remember from our podcast last week, I talked about the defensive keys to the game. I said force three punts. Do you guys know how many times Illinois punted? Well, they punted at least three times in the first quarter, which was uh, which already beat the the season record at that point. So <laughs> I'm gonna go with seven seven punts. Just missed it. Eight punts. Eight after forcing Ooh. two through two games. So a b- big improvement there. They must have heard and realized that they need to start getting some stops. Uh, so, yeah, I was... think, uh, you know, I think you you know, you know mentioned that. I mean, uh, Illinois coming out and just having that first three and out, like Minnesota forcing them to go three and out on their first position. I think that was a nice tone setter for Minnesota's defense. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, going through, Alex did some great film reviews uh, up on MinnesotaRivals.com. And one of the things he mentioned and something that stuck out to me while watching the game and then rewatching later was the defensive line play looked to be improved. And uh, a lot of that stemmed from a lot of the young guys. Keontae Shad was out. uh, So there was a hole in the interior defensive line. And I thought guys like D'Angelo Carter played a great game. Uh, Rashad Chaney, MJ Anderson off the edge played well too. Uh, Alex, want to talk a little bit about the young defensive line play and how those guys stepped up this weekend? Yeah, absolutely. I think that was the bright spot for me from that whole defensive effort is you lose a guy like Kante Shad, who's been in the rotation last year, they're starting three tech this year. You don't exactly know how the day is going to go. I thought D'Angelo Carter played phenomenal. Uh, three tackles, one sack, one TFL, was stout all day. 
I think that that's a, you know, hopefully a sign of things to come for D'Angelo Carter. I know the coaches are extremely high on him and, and now this being his first year being a real, you know, contributor. Um, I was really, really pleased with what I saw with him. And then, and then the other guy, uh, Rashad Chaney, I thought had a phenomenal day as well in, in the reps that he got. And that was our first real good look at him, you know, throughout the course of a full game. So I was really, really pleased with those two. And I think Minnesota, you know, hopefully has a couple of, of, you know, really nice young players in the defensive tackle position. And stemming even further than that, too, I thought Boy Mafe had his best game of the year. Six uh, six tackles, two sacks, two TFLs. And I thought Asezi um, Otomo also had his best day. And, and granted, like we said, Illinois was a struggling offense, of course, but still good to see those guys who we kind of expected big things out of coming into this year. Uh, so good to see those guys have probably their best effort of the season and continue to get better. And then obviously seeing the young guys in Carter and Carter uh, and Rashad Chaney step up. So to me, that was probably the bright spot of the entire team was the whole defensive line play. And then especially seeing some of the young guys there, you know, get in the mix and, and, and perform well. Yeah, that's something that uh, stuck out to me the entire time watching the game. Uh, just the defensive line creating pressure. I think uh, pro football focus had them uh, at 13 total pressures throughout the game, which was by far a season high. Uh, they gave five sacks. They actually credited MJ Anderson for a strip sack on that uh, one fumble that uh, Illinois ended up oh, recovering. The, the, yeah, the, the fumble throw. Yeah, and the, the forced punt after yep. first and goal. <laughs> ended up being fourth and goal from like the 50. So, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I, I agree with you a lot. That's something I saw in your film review. Uh, and when I was watching, of course, um, something that um, stuck out right away, uh, just really popped out on the screen and something we haven't seen much this season. Uh, another uh, new little wrinkle from the defense was uh, James Gordon getting some snaps um, and just linebacker play looked a little bit better. There were still some holes. Uh, I know Sean mentioned um, some big runs uh, by Epstein and uh, there's some other big plays that they let up, but for the most part, they were sound. Uh, Sean, were you able to notice uh, either James Gordon, how he played during his snaps or how guys like Mariano, sorry, Marin and Cody Lindenberg played? Uh, see, did you see any growth there or how do you assess the linebacker play uh, against Illinois? <laughs> that may be more of a question for Alex, but I will say that I did not see uh, Soy Moran or Lindenberg take bad angles uh, <laughs> the whole night, which is good. And, and I mentioned just the one, uh, the Epstein run, the 63-yard run. I think, you know, he ended up having over 100 yards. I think he had 108 yards total. Uh, I think he had a couple other runs that were, you know, like uh, 11, 19-yard runs. So really didn't give up a whole lot of big plays. Uh, so, yeah, it, it's good to see, um, you know, like, me and Alex, you're more of kind of a you have more of a scouting eye than I will. So I'll, I'll transition this question to you. But uh, it was at least on my end, it was good to see um, you know players like Sori Marie and Lindenberg not taking those bad angles, not missing gaps like we've seen constantly the first two games of the season. I know Gordon kind of came in, and Alex, I think you mentioned it on the board as well. Uh, you were really impressed with his play. So I'll kind of swing it over to you, Alex, because you got, like I said, more of a scouting out than I do. What, what did you kind of see from that linebacker play? And in particular, Gordon coming in there and playing well. I thought Gordon played, uh, I think his physicality was the biggest thing that stuck out to me right away. Um, and this isn't necessarily a knock on, on Lindenberg or sorry, Marin by any means, but I think I saw for the, for the first time, a guy or linebacker that really started to take blocks head on, you know, instead of trying to maybe get around pullers or get around linemen and try to, you know, work their way, you know, 
like I said, just around him instead of going through him. I think Gordon did a really nice job of, just, of, of meeting him head on, which again, it helps everybody because it really helps instead of creating a hole, you're, you're plugging the hole essentially. And then you're allowing, you know, the backside linebacker and more and, and, and sorry, Marin to, to come over the top. And then, uh, and then he has a better angle to get to the tackle. And I think part of that too, just stems from the defensive line effort was so much better that when there's smaller holes, you know, created by them, then obviously it trickles back to everybody else. And then uh, I really like Gordon's physicality. I'm really looking to see, you know, bigger things. If he gets a expanded role going forward here, once he gets a little bit more comfortable and, and with Lindenberg, you know, true freshman starting, obviously it's going to be a little bit of a learning curve. And I thought this was definitely, you know, probably his best defensive effort. And there's always going to be some time where he's going to have to, you know, feel things out, get more comfortable. The game's going to start to slow down for him at some point. So he continues to, to grow a little bit, uh, like the West out of Gordon as well. And I think Mario, sorry, Marin, you know, who, you know, first game against Michigan, that, that's obviously a tough game uh, to come right off the bat. So hopefully this is a thing too, where he, he's getting more comfortable kind of being the guy and having to be, be in every single play and make all the calls and, um, and it'll be a better effort going forward. And then also even just kind of, like I said, it's, it's the ripple effect where I thought on the back end there, uh, I thought Tyler Newbin, uh, Jordan Howden, you know, we saw some missed tackles from them, especially in the open field, the first couple of games, you know, when, when there is, you know, the holes are a lot smaller up front. And when it does trickle all the way back, then, then the safeties, it makes their job a lot easier as well. Cause instead of having your, you know, there being 10 yards of open, open field and you're expected to make that tackle in open space. Um, now there's a pretty defined alley that you can just run and, and make the play to. So uh, started up front and I thought, yeah, I thought it rippled all the way through and, and the defensive effort was pretty, pretty sound for the most part. And, and all, uh, I'll take what you just said there and kind of transition to another question that I want all of us to go over quick. Um, obviously, the defense turned a little bit of a corner, uh, had a much improved game going from allowing close to 700 yards to under 300 yards to forcing punts, uh, to making tackles, to filling uh, big gaps in the run game. But they still seem a little bit susceptible to letting big plays up. Um, and that, that was a little bit of an issue. And really the only offense that Illinois was able to generate was the big play. Uh, do you think that's going to be a weakness for the Gophers all season going forward, starting for next week at Iowa? They have some explosive guys like Tyler Goodson, a very talented running back who can make people miss. Uh, Amir Smith-Marset. I believe he's set to be back against Minnesota. He's a really explosive playmaker on the outside. Um, is Minnesota turning a corner defensively? And uh, is our big plays going to be something that uh, they're just going to have to deal with and try to fight off all season long? Sean, I'll start with you there on that question. Um, yeah, I mean, I think they take a lot of good things away from Illinois, but let's put, let's put it in the big picture aspect. It's Illinois. <laughs> Illinois. Illinois is not a good team. And, uh, you know, I, I'd say when big 10 rankings or whatever come out, they're probably going to be the, the last ranked team in the conference. And, and they're not, obviously they've been hit with COVID issues and things like that, but even, you know, before that we saw them get pr trounced pretty good against uh, Wisconsin on opening night. So, um, yeah, um, they gave up a couple of plays, big plays, but look, I mean, I think giving up big plays for this Minnesota defense is going to be something, you know, I think you're going to see just moving forward. And whether they get better at it or not, we'll, we'll find out. But obviously, you know, I mean, they got gashed the first two games. Was a lot better this game, but it was against Illinois. So let's, let's you know, let's keep that into perspective. So I think it's something this Minnesota defense gonna, is going to deal with. They're going to have to get better at not giving up big plays. But I think it's going to be something that's going to be kind of their Achilles heel moving forward. 
So if, if I were to rephrase that question into, uh, let's say a top tier game, absolute best you think this Minnesota defense could play is the way they played against Illinois and absolute worst is Maryland. So under 300 yards to 700 yards, where do you think this Minnesota defense kind of averages out for the rest of the season? Have they taken a step or is it a little bit of a false uh, sense of hope? Uh, due to the fact that Illinois is just not that good. If you want to just quick go over that one, Sean, before I move on to Alex. Okay, yeah, it's going to be secondary questions. Now. Yeah, because, I mean, I, I phrased the question. You came back at me with, well, it's Illinois. What do you expect? So I wanted to kind of kind of gauge your thoughts for uh, the rest of the season, what to expect from them. Um, I would say, it, you know, definitely uh, – <laughs> Definitely don't want to be giving up 700 yards a game. I think if, honestly, uh, I think, uh, I think if you give up between like 400, you know, I think this Minnesota defense probably give up around 400. I mean, I th- and I think that would be good. I mean, you know, we said it before coming into this Illinois game, you know, Minnesota's going to have to rely on their offense a lot. And their offense can obviously prove they can generate points. They can, uh, you know, they can kind of score at will, you know, when they, when they can, I mean, Bateman had over 150, they had 556 yards of total offense. They can put points on the board, but uh, you know, I think the Minnesota defense still a, still a little susceptible, a little false hope against a team like Illinois. So I think if they can average giving up 400 yards a game, I think that would be a massive win for Minnesota's defense going. There we go. That that's think, that's, that's um, what I was looking for, Alex. If you want to kind of transition and build off that, <laughs> yeah, of course. You know, uh, unfortunately, I'm going to say yes. I, I think I think they they showed some good signs. I think they probably will grow and continue to get better. Of course, as the season goes on, as most teams do. But you know, the biggest issue with Minnesota right now is that they don't really have. Uh, a guy or I didn't really have like a couple studs that can just, you know, there, there's a lot of times even last year where you have Antoine Winfield jr. Right. And, and, and everybody's blocked up front, the, the play is developing nicely for the offense, but of course he's Antoine Winfield jr. He's a first team all American and he stops the play for eight yards instead of for 50, you know, or if you have uh, even a Kamal Martin, who is a fifth round draft pick, you know, there's a lot of times when guys who are really good players just have to just make things happen and just make plays and they beat a block that they, you know, shouldn't beat or, or come over the top and chase something down from the backside. And that just happens when you have really good players. And unfortunately for Minnesota right now, they don't really have a guy or, or a couple guys who are, who are real studs, you know, from, from in the back, you know, seven, I would say who can kind of make those plays right now. And until they start making and so until they have people start stepping up who are, you know, making unblocked tackles who are making something out of nothing, then unfortunately I think the big plays are going to be a, a trend all year long. And I think Minnesota will continue to improve. They probably will start giving up around the 350 to 400 yards per game um, on average. But then again, I think the big plays are, are unfortunately, especially in the run game, just going to be something that's probably going to be a trend. And I hope it doesn't happen, but you know, I, I'm going to, I want to be proven wrong that this wasn't an anomaly and that, you know, that Minnesota's taking real strides. I think they are, but you know, not, I'm still waiting to see and still want to see it happen for multiple games before I start declaring that they've turned a huge corner. Yeah. I think we're all on the same page there. Um, I mean, there's definitely some good things you saw, uh, but again, it's Illinois defensive line play definitely improved. Uh, Tyler Newbin still had, uh, had a little bit of a rough game, took some bad angles and missed some tackles and had that one very notable one where Josh Amaterbebe just broke free, kind of blocked Coney Durr there from making a play as well. So um, 
Uh, I I think that there's gonna one, be and one one quick note, Connor. And sorry, sorry to cut you off. Yeah, one go quick for note it. Is that you know Illinois did have Illinois did have 12 penalties for 120 yards. So it wasn't you know they didn't exactly play themselves a clean game. I mean they yeah. got into the goal line and then of course the their the quarterback had a hand injury, so the ball slips out of his hand and it rolls for a negative you know, whatever 30 yard loss and they end up punting on first and goal. It wasn't like Illinois played this clean game and we just kind of stood them up. I mean, they, they definitely shot themselves in the foot more than once. And again, we took strides, but I still want to see it happen for multiple, for multiple games before, like I said, we start, you know, thinking that this is a brand new defense. Yeah. I, I think that's a, a really good point that you just made and something to, watch for going forward I mean if if teams are just playing clean games not turning the ball over and not getting penalized it still seems like teams are moving the ball pretty easily against this Minnesota defense Uh, but if they can get to the point where they're letting up around 350 400 yards even 450 yards do they have the offense to keep up with that and maybe keep it a good game and maybe just outscore the opponent that's something that's going to be um, very exciting to watch going forward. And you can see some shootouts uh, going forward for the rest of the season. Uh, and so I'll transition more to the offense now and kind of what we saw there. Mo Ibrahim is having a year that uh, if the Gophers weren't one and two, we'd probably uh, have some Heisman talk in a normal year, just under 600 yards through three games, 10 touchdowns. He's run for 37 first downs. Uh, he had 15 last week, which was the most in college football. Uh, Rashad Bateman had a huge game. The rest of the pass catchers didn't do too much. Uh, Chris Bell had one. Daniel Jackson had two. Clay Geary had one as well. And there was also a tight end reception in there. Uh, But um, Sean, I'll start with you here. Uh, How did you assess Minnesota's offensive performance against Illinois? Um, Want to talk a little bit about uh, Mo Ibrahim, his play, and just some of the other guys and how this offense projects moving forward. Yeah, uh, like I said, uh, I think they kind of took the approach that we thought they would last week, kind of focused more on getting the passing game involved uh, initially. Of course, that didn't really work out well on their first drive. Uh, you know, they ended up punting the ball. But, uh, you know, it took them a little bit to get the get the ball rolling, but they, they ended up scoring there late in the first quarter. And then it just kind of rolled from there. I think they had a 21-point second quarter and uh, just kind of rolled. Um you know, I, I think obviously, uh, you know, Mo's doing a great job. The running game is phenomenal. You know, you, you, uh, like I mentioned previously, you saw, you know, Mo obviously had, uh, you know, 231 yards rushing, uh, or not 200. He had more than that, but <laughs> I'm, I'm looking at the wrong stats here. But he had over 200 yards rushing and, and four touchdowns again. That's a second straight game with over 204. But to see Trey Potts and uh, to see Cam Wiley kind of get involved as well and break off some pretty good runs. Uh, uh, I know Trey Potts scored that touchdown too. Um, so the, the running game's great. I mean, uh, um, the passing game really showed. I mean, uh, you know, Bateman was kind of the guy, and you mentioned Connor, that, you know, they didn't really distribute the ball uh, to other receivers. So that's something I, I think looking forward, if, if Minnesota's going to get into some shootouts, they're definitely going to have to disperse the ball and, and maybe pass, uh, pass the ball around a little bit more and get more people involved, you know. Um, Altman Bell had a good game last game. Bateman kind of showed up this game. Uh, you know, Daniel Jackson's kind of getting a little bit involved. Uh, got his first career reception last week. Got a couple of catches, um, you know, this past week. So uh, I think Minnesota is definitely going to be capable of putting points on the board. Uh, I think I'd see, like to see a little bit more out of the past game if they get into a situation where they're down. 
uh, you know, like to see a little bit more out of Tanner Moore. We've, we've kind of talked about this, how he seems a little hesitant, uh, maybe hasn't really kind of ruled off some downfield passes, but, uh, you know, Illinois was very susceptible to the middle of the field. And I think Minnesota kind of attacked that early on. And then they kind of relied on the run game going forward because, um, you know, there wasn't a lot of pressure from, uh, from Illinois uh, offensively, you know, uh, they didn't put any points on the board. So I think, Minnesota is capable of putting points on the board. I think they just need to do a little bit better job in the passing game. You know, you can rely on the run game. You can rely on Mo. You've got uh, your best weapon uh, at wide receiver in Bateman. you got to get other people involved there. But, uh, yeah, they're more than capable of putting points on the board. They're going to have to uh, going the rest of the season just because uh, just because you hold Illinois to 14 points. It's nothing to really uh, brag about, to be honest with you. Yeah, I, I agree there. And more on uh, uh, just the offense and Tanner Morgan. We really haven't seen Tanner Morgan play close to his best ball yet this year. Uh, and the Gopher offense is still averaging over 30 points a game due to just how well Mo Ibrahim in the running game uh, is going. So it, it seems like Tanner Morgan, Rashad Bateman, Chris Bell, uh, even Daniel Jackson, it seems like there's another step for them to take. And if this offense is going to be playing – uh, really at their highest level we haven't seen it yet because the past game hasn't really been there and that's uh partially Tanner Morgan partially just Mo Ibrahim being so good you just got to keep giving him the ball um, but uh, Alex one thing I wanted to ask you about was the offensive line play uh, they're down two uh, pretty significant starters this year on the right side of the line with uh, Curtis Dunlap out with a foot injury uh, and Daniel Fillele being out for the year, he's not going to be playing at all. Uh, but some guys like Axel Rushmeyer have stepped in, uh, Nathan Bow. Uh, talk about what you saw from the offensive line play, not only just against Illinois, but uh, how they've progressed through the first three weeks of the season and uh, where you see them now. Yeah, honestly, over, over the course of the past three games, I thought they were phenomenal against Illinois. And I've seen big improvements. And I thought they played okay the first game against Michigan, but that's going to be the best front that they're going to play all year by far, probably. You know, they have two two first-day draft picks or second-day draft picks, and then one other guy, linebacker, that's going to go. So, you know, Michigan was the best front by far they're going to see all year. And I thought they played okay that game. But against Illinois, they were phenomenal. And credit, credit goes out to Brian Callahan. When you miss two guys who were starters last year, you know, you plug in a guy who's a former walk-on, and you move some people around, Blaze Andres moves. Uh, you know, it's a right tackle. And I thought they were just phenomenal. I think they're so well coached, which was fun to watch, especially on some of these zone runs when Illinois is mixing up the fronts so and they're blitzing linebackers. It just seems like Minnesota is always a step ahead, always knows exactly who the guy is they're supposed to block. They work tandem blocks so well to the second level. Um, I think Axel, you know, especially has, has played great so far. And, and, and one guy I want to call out is John Michael Schmitz. Um, he is so perfect for the Minnesota zone running game. He's got such quick feet. He moves so well that, you know, on a lot of these outside zone reach blocks, he really is able to wall off, you know, even like get to the three technique and wall it off. And having that type of mobility at center is just huge because then it allows the guard to go right to the second level or to tandem block with the left tackle up to the second level. And, um, and I, I'm just really impressed with the way that the, that the Minnesota offensive line has progressed, and especially playing the Illinois game. And, and Mo Ibrahim is just phenomenal. You know, he has such good feel for, for finding the hole, knowing when to cut back, knowing when to stretch it, when to get north. You know, even at the second level, he has this natural feel for, for just breaking tackles and, and you know, uh, knowing exactly when a guy's coming from the side and, and cutting back across. And then, of course, he's just a phenomenal finisher, you know, with, with his toughness. So just really, honestly, really impressed. Credit goes out to Brian Callahan, and it was, it was, it was fun to watch, honestly. Yeah, and that, yeah, that's that was, something – sorry, Sean, continue with that. 
Uh, I was just going to throw in another thing I wrote down, and I meant to mention earlier uh, on their first Minnesota's first scoring drive. Another important thing that is kind of look at on their offense: they converted three different third and long plays. So I think that's yep. kind of uh, kind of good to mention that you know that they're able to uh, able to convert those third and long plays whenever they come up, and uh, they did that three different times on their first scoring drive there late in the first quarter. So that really uh, I think kind of set the tone. Like I said, they they struggled a little bit getting started. But uh, once they got that first score on the board and, and converting those thir- uh, those three uh, third and longs, that really kind of got the ball rolling for their offense. Mm-hmm. I think I think this is I think this is was this was an ideal game for I think this is exactly how Minnesota wants to play. They the time of possession they were over thirty seven and a half minutes compared to just twenty two and a half for Illinois. So they dominated time of possession. They they established the run. They pound the rock. Uh, they get the offense flowing that way, and then they work the pass off of that when there's opportunities to. I thought Minnesota played the exact game they want to. Dominate time of possession. Dominate the ground. Establish the run. And then you work in the passing game, those RPOs over the middle. And we actually have not seen them work over the middle a ton so far this year. Like it seems like they did last year or the past few years, um, but they did in this game and they had great success going over the middle. Um, and then obviously Rashad had, you know, 10 plus catches for, for hundred yards and a touchdown. So I thought the Minnesota played the exact game that they wanted to. Of course, I wish that Rashad's success, you know, didn't come at the expense of maybe Ottman Bells. I wish there was a way that you could work both of them into it so that there's obviously dual sides and, and dual threats, um, that kind of keeps the defense off balance all the time. But yeah, at the end of the day, the, the Minnesota rushed for over 300 you know, plus yards, 325 yards, I think it was as a team. So phenomenal ground effort. Uh, I thought they mixed it up well, working the middle of the field and the RPOs off of that. And, and I, thought, I thought they played you know, pretty, pretty phenomenal offensively overall. And to talk more about the time of possession game that Minnesota and Coach Fleck love to play, um, I think part of why that worked so well in the game against Illinois and not so much in the game against Maryland was uh, just because of how much better the defense played. Uh, against Maryland, the ball control was about we want to hang on to the ball and run as much as possible because we want to keep our own defense off of the field. We don't think oh, we can right. <laughs> we don't think we can score, but we can have a eight and a half minute scoring drive that prevents uh Maryland from just going down the field and scoring in a couple plays and uh, that was a little bit exhausting for Minnesota just have these long methodical drives score on them and then Maryland gets the ball back and scores right away and against Illinois you would see Minnesota go on these long drives score and then their defense would get a stop whether it's assisted by some penalties uh, and just some or just nice plays creating pressure and getting stops whether no matter how it happened it happened against Illinois it hasn't happened the first two games and that's the way Minnesota and coach Fleck just really like to play so it'll be interesting going forward against Iowa and through the rest of the season if they're able to still uh, win that time possession battle that they love to win so much uh, and if it's going to be because um not only is the offense and defense kind of cooperating the way they want it to, or is it just because the defense can't stay on the field, get stops, and the offense of the other team is just driving down and scoring right away? Uh, so before we wrap this up, uh, I want to ask both of you how you would classify this win against Illinois. Is it a momentum builder? Uh, is it something kind of just look past? Was it good reps for young guys? Uh, what What's the biggest takeaway and how would you kind of uh, classify this win? Alex, I'll start with you there. I think I would classify it as a momentum builder. I don't know. There's no such thing as a bad win. I mean, a win's a win, especially when you have so many young players you know, they, they're, 
you know, they're not used to maybe the, you know, a lot of these players maybe haven't lost, you know, a handful of times in high school. You know, a lot of them come from probably really good programs where they didn't lose very often and, and expectations are really high. And then you come here and all of a sudden you lose a couple of your first two games. You know, there maybe can be a look around in the locker room a little bit. And, and when you have so many young players and every single win's a good win, the more reps they get, it's, it's better for everybody and better for the entire team. Um, I think there's positive building blocks, like we said, offense, offense play great defense, you know, stepped up a little bit and got some young guys, some reps. And the more reps that those young guys gets, the young guys get, they're going to, you know, the more they're going to continue to develop. So I think it's definitely a momentum builder. No such thing as a bad win. And, and now obviously you, you move on to, to Iowa on this Friday. Sean, where do you, where do you take this win? Where do you place it? Uh, if you're going to classify it? Uh, I guess I'll try to say uh, something, uh, a little bit different than Alex, but but I kind of agree with Alex. Everything Alex just said. There you go. There's my take. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> that's that's a strong take. Really, really put a lot of work and effort into into that thought right there. I totally agree with Alex. Though I mean, uh, <laughs> momentum builder, and you get the young, you get some young guys some work. Uh, it's only gonna make you better moving forward. You know, you, you hear, you've heard Fleck kind of mention, you know hey, you know, we're kind of a, a down team this year. We're dealing with COVID issues. We're looking toward 2021. Um, so, yeah, I mean, in order to look toward 2021, I think he's wanting to maybe incorporate some of these young guys, get some reps in this year. Because this year's, man, you're, you're dealing with COVID issues. You don't know when they're going to pop up. Uh, so, you know, you never know when young guys are going to get their chance to kind of come in and, and make a, you know, make a big splash or, you know, at least get a lot of playing time when they're not expected to. So, uh, I think in, in this win, you're, you're playing an Illinois team that's not very good. Uh, defense stepped up, played really well. So that's a positive. Maybe you build on that momentum going forward on the defensive end because you've got a lot of young guys on that defensive side of the ball. Uh, so maybe this defense gets better moving forward. And, you know, like I said, better for Minnesota's defense will probably be, you know, 400, giving up 400, 450 yards a game. You know, you're still going to have to – rely on your offense to score a lot more points, put points on the board. We're going to see some Big Ten shootouts moving forward, I think, for Minnesota on their schedule. This isn't your this isn't your father's or your grandfather's Big Ten. Uh, this is going to probably, probably going to be a shootout season in the Big Ten moving forward. So, Yeah, I, I think I, I agree with both of you there. I could stop there, and that'd be that that'd be a solid take, I think. Hot, 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 hot take there, Connor. Yeah, very educated <laughs> and well thought out take if I stop there. Uh, but no, I mean, I, I completely agree. Uh, is it possible that we see a high scoring matchup between Minnesota and Iowa next week? I think that's very possible. And that's probably something that has never been said before. So um, <laughs> just uh, I think it's going to be a different year. Uh, I think uh, there's going to be a lot of learning and growing. Uh, especially defensively um, guys like James Gordon, uh, the interior defensive lineman, D'Angelo Carter, MJ Anderson, Rashad Chaney, those guys getting reps is going to be huge for uh, the rest of the season down the road. And then the rest of their careers as a gopher. Uh, and, and I think just the more momentum that you can build. Uh, if you look at a lot of those defensive guys on Twitter after the game, they were saying they're still hungry. Like they're really happy with the way they played, but they're hungry to learn more and get better. So it's good to have that type of attitude. And uh, even Mariano Sorimarin said after the game, 
we don't let the circumstance dictate our behavior, something Coach Fleck and Joel Rossi have preached uh, as, as much as possible, whether they're winning or losing, they're trying to attack everything the same way. Uh, and it's good to see, like Alex said, these are guys coming in from just very successful high school careers and they introduced to some losses in the Big Ten right away and that could sting you. So uh, it's good to see guys responding really positively from that. And uh, because of that, I think we'll see some growth. Still, we'll see some shootouts. The defense isn't going to be uh, – isn't going to end up just night and day different from what they were against Michigan and Maryland. Uh, but I, I think uh, there will be some slow growth throughout the year, and as long as Minnesota's offense is going to be able to execute the way they have, uh, they could be in more games than they're not in. So uh, it'll be very interesting. I think uh, there's just, like you guys said, a momentum builder for down the road. Um, let's speaking look back. Of, uh, Sorry, go speaking ahead. Of, speaking of Michigan and Maryland, I mean, who would have thought that maybe Maryland's the best team uh, out of those uh, those two teams that Minnesota's played so far? Yeah, that's where I was gonna I was gonna go into that one next. Uh, looking into some of our picks throughout the week, um, I had Minnesota wrong. I said Illinois would win that one. Everyone else got that right. Um, but I, uh, I think say, uh, you I think I, the reverse. So. Yeah, a little bit of reverse psychology there, but yeah, well, that's fine. I, I made the pick. I got to live with it. Uh, Gophers won. I was wrong there. But um, I think uh, only me and Jared had Iowa winning over Michigan State. That was kind of a blowout. None of us had Maryland beating Penn State. That was pretty surprising. After that uh, 45-3 loss to Northwestern, I think a lot of people kind of buried Maryland as a bottom-tier Big Ten team. But uh, now they're sitting right behind Ohio State and Indiana in the East, so that's pretty interesting. Um, I think I think we just you know, and, and I'm, I'm we're all guilty of it. And I am certainly too. I think the week one overreactions hit everybody, and everyone knows the week one games are always weird. You know, Minnesota was in the thick of it with South Dakota State last year, a team that you know, we know that we're much better than. And first games are always weird. And, and who knows, maybe Michigan first game, we just didn't play our best. And of course we didn't play great against Maryland, but maybe Michigan, we just didn't play our best. And then, you know, now you see all these other teams that, that are kind of, you know, maybe played poorly week one, Maryland got killed in week one and they've come out and won the past two games and just, you know, beat Penn state pretty good. So it, it's, it's always going to be worst games are always weird and there's always going to be growth throughout the year. So, and maybe I'll, I'm guilty of it too, like I said, but maybe we just overreacted a little bit after, you know, after the week one performance for everybody. Oh, there's definitely overreactions all around. Um, but I mean, if I were to tell you that right now, Northwestern and Indiana would be undefeated atop the divisions after three weeks, I don't think a lot of people, uh, if I said that before the season, I don't think a lot of people would buy into that. And now we have a Northwestern Purdue. That'll probably be our, our game of the week. That game's for first in the West right now. So, uh <laughs> I don't think anyone would have bet that was going to happen either. But, I mean, you look at that Maryland game um, and look at where Minnesota would be positioned the rest of the season had they – let's say they go for two and get it and win that game in overtime. They're two and one instead of sitting at one and two and kind of on the outside looking in. And, uh, it, I mean, this season with how weird everything is, it could be completely different had they beaten Maryland. And, I mean, they're not out of things at all right now when the two teams up top are Northwestern and Purdue, and there's just a lot of question marks. Uh, so it'll be very interesting going forward. Uh, do you guys have any other uh, Big Ten or Minnesota thoughts before we wrap this up? Sean? 
Uh, no, just uh, just kind of really to, to piggy off what we just kind of talked about in terms of picking and, and overreacting <laughs> from from week one results. I mean, that's kind of the fun of, of making Big Ten picks, you know, something that we do in our, our stack predictions every week. That's what's kind of fun about, uh, you know, making picks and, and, you know, some people make placing bets and, and over-unders and all that stuff. So, uh, yeah, it's uh, that's why I like uh, I like making picks. I love college football and sports. You know, you never know what's going to happen on a week to week basis. So it's a, uh, it's wild. It's crazy. It's uh, going to be a, a crazy time in the Big Ten this year. Absolutely, Alex. Anything to say my, before uh, we wrap this thing up? Yeah, I think I think the last thing I'm going to say here is that, you know I don't think and maybe this is me just being glass half full, but I don't think Minnesota's you know, out of the West by any means. I mean, certainly we haven't played great, but, you know, Wisconsin's had a game canceled. We're so unsure if they're going to go to the next canceled. game or even, <laughs> even, or even, yeah, or even play the rest of the season, to be honest. They might even be out of it. Minnesota does get Northwestern in a few weeks here, so which would be an opportunity to gain a game on them. You know, obviously you got to look to Iowa first, but if you get Iowa, you get Purdue, you get Northwestern, Wisconsin, if they are out of it or don't have enough games to be eligible, I mean, you know, Minnesota still has an opportunity to win the West as crazy as it sounds. And of course things have to go their way. They got to play a lot better, but you know, it, this is, the season's not lost yet. And I'm sure that, you know, knowing coach Fleck and his positive demeanor, I mean, I'm sure he's been, I'm sure he's been preaching that in the locker room as well. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I'm sure uh, depending on the result of uh, Friday, it's a Friday night game, right? Against Iowa. Yep, Friday night, 6 o'clock. Yeah, depending on the re- results of uh, the Friday game, we might uh, be able to dive into that a little bit more. And then also after watching how the rest of the games in the West uh, turn out. But uh, I think that's all we got for you guys today. Thanks for tuning into the Gopher Report podcast. Uh, we'll be back a little bit later this week, probably Wednesday or Thursday, uh, to give you a preview for the Iowa game. Uh, we'll have some keys to the game. Uh, maybe some new stuff a little bit change it up for you guys a little bit this week but one thing we will not be forgetting is the the classic patented Alex Carlson weather report so stay tuned for that Uh, thanks again for listening and uh, we'll see you soon